relationships are as important to a human being as oxygen itself. Maybe even more so. But what is the secret? What is the formula for building a healthy relationship? Humans need connections. But we see, as much as we need it, we also see how elusive and difficult it is to achieve lasting and healthy connections. Please join me in this very vital and important conversation on the Kabbalah of Human Connection, Five Steps to Enhance Your Relationships. Hi, Simon Jacobson here. I welcome you to the Kabbalah of Human Connection, Five Steps to Enhance Your Relationships. This program is dedicated for the Rafur Shlema, complete healing of Baruch Meir ben Yeshiyahu Halevi. Even more important than oxygen and food and drink is relationships. A human being cannot be complete and not fulfilled without a relationship. We're fundamentally creatures that need connection. We need love. We need nurturing. We need intimacy. So yes, physically, you can't survive without food and drink. But psychologically, emotionally without having that connection with another, will be lacking the most fundamental elements of what life is all about, including our own self-esteem, dignity, confidence, and all the vital components critical for a successful, meaningful, productive life. But what's the formula? What's the secret? What are the ingredients? The Kabbalah, Jewish mysticism, which is really universal mysticism, teaches us dimensions to our soul and to relationships, by extension, that are both clear and also quite surprising in certain ways. It compels us to think about ourselves in ways that we perhaps never thought about. Because let's begin with the basic, most important question. What does it mean to have a human connection? What does it mean to be connected? What what does that consist of? What kind of experience is that? We know that for nine months in our mother's womb, we're connected to our mother. The umbilical cord, but the womb, being fed, being sustained in every possible way, our physiological and our psychological and emotional and even spiritual development taking place. When a child is born, we're still connected. Even when you cut the umbilical cord, there's an emotional connection, the need. We know today that the more that connection is enhanced, the more it will impact the child for the rest of their lives. You see, in the animal kingdom as well, 
touch, even physical touch, that nurturing, that develops and builds confidence. So we all understand the value of connection. And throughout our lives, as we make our first friends, as we connect with our teachers, as we get older, that French, those friendships are vital. And ultimately, when we find our soulmate and marry and build a family, there are again connections. Connections, connections. The connections between community members, connections between any type of group, the social connections that are so vital to human life for us to thrive. When you deprive someone of these connections, it has sometimes devastating consequences. But what lies behind it? Why do we need this connection? Why can't we just be self-contained individuals? So here's how the mystics put it. They go back to the cosmic picture, the larger picture. That though the universe is made up of many multitudes of details, but there's some symbiotic connection between everything. When you talk about it on a physics level, the atoms and the subatomic particles, or you talk about it on a DNA and cellular level, the trillions of cells that all work together in a coordinated way, or you talk on a macrocosmic level. Look at nature. Look at the human body. Any healthy organism is made up of many components, but they're all working in a connected way, but not just a connected, a network, a give and take, to the point that you would, a healthy organism, you wouldn't call it's a sum of parts. You'd call it that there's something that connects it all and expresses itself in parts, like a tree. You don't say a tree is a bunch of fragmented pieces. A tree is a tree. The tree consists of a very extensive network. There's a trunk, there are roots, a trunk of the tree, branches that continue to branch off, leaves, if it's a fruit tree, the fruits that grow, all part of one entity. So connection really is much more than just the need for friendship. Connection is really reflecting the very essence of who we are and how we all connect with each other within our harmony, within our diversity. So the way the mystics put it is that before everything, before the Big Bang, before existence came into being as we know it, everything was one seamless, what they call divine energy, one seamless consciousness of a higher reality. That consciousness then concealed itself to in order for another consciousness to arise. The birth of diversity, the birth of differences. And while the differences develop, it still is all connected through an invisible network, a labyrinth. While respecting and maintaining and not annihilating the differences, there's something that connects it, like a conductor of a large orchestra. Many different musicians, different instruments, and yet all coordinated. One harmony, one synchronicity. The challenge is, can we learn from that? And what do we learn from that in building our own relationships? So this takes us to the core of what is a relationship. What is a relationship? Two individuals, we're talking now human relationships, which in effect reflects all relationships. 
is the connection of two different things. That they connect to the point that they have a healthy relationship, a healthy give and take, complementation, coordination, harmony. In the purest form, they're literally like parts of one machine. As I said, one network, one tapestry with many details. However, here's the big however. If your life is focused on self, the egocentric life, then it works this way. I'm me. If I need someone else because I need nurturing, I need companionship, I need something that I don't have on my own, I need validation, so I search out, and then we try to find a mutually beneficial relationship, like it is in business. You have something I need, I have something you need, and we make a deal. But we all understand that that's quite conditional, and most importantly, it's driven by how much you need the other. If you don't need the other, you can drop them. The mystics teach us, the Kabbalah teaches us, that there's something much more about relationships and connections. It's not just about me and who else is going to enhance my life. It's that the fundamental you needs a connection with everyone else. Not just because you need something right now, because you're only complete when you have that connection. So I would distinguish between these two different approaches. One is a material, self-oriented approach, and the other is a spiritual, transcendent approach to love. One's love is driven by what I need. The other's love is driven by connecting to a higher reality that we all become part of. When you understand human connection and relationships in that context, it's a very different picture. Because then a relationship is driven much more by giving than by taking. Yes, you get in return, but it's not because the beginning and end of the relationship starts with taking. It's about giving. It's about recognizing that I become greater through my relationships with others. Not just that I become more of myself. Actually, going away from myself makes me greater of my makes me a greater self. So it's a truly spiritual take on relationships and connections. And once you take that into account, the Kabbalah does indeed say, okay. So now let's revisit a relationship, a connection, and it gives us five dimensions. In the words of the sources of the texts that the soul has five names, five dimensions to it. I'll say them in Hebrew and then I'll translate them. Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, Chaya, Yechida. They sound similar and synonymous, but they're very different dimensions. All to a relationship. Well, I should actually clarify that. There are five dimensions to your soul which in turn become five dimensions to a healthy relationship. What are they in simple English? Behavioral, emotional, and cognitive conscious self. And then the last two are the transcendent and the unified or the united self. They're superconscious states. So again, behavioral, essentially like biological. 
So the connection you have with another on a very basic level. Then the next is emotional connection. The third is an intellectual one, a cognitive one, transcendent one, and ultimately utter and total seamless union. But that only comes at the end because we also want a relationship. We want two entities. We don't want one obliterated or annihilated by the other. So how does that translate into our lives? So let's think about it in the terms of a romantic relationship. What are the keys to human compatibility that two people connect and are compatible with each other? So usually it's understood there's a physical compatibility. That would be like the biological. We'll soon get to why it's called behavioral. People, two people, physically attracted to each other. The next would be an emotional connection. You can be physically attracted, but there's no emotional uh, chemistry. The third is a cognitive connection through mind, ideas, values that comes from that stimulation, in cognitive. That's on the conscious and on the superconscious transcendent. Two people who share a vision. They share something that's greater than their minds and their hearts and their actions, than their cognitive, emotional, and behavioral. And finally, there's when the, the relationship and the connection is so deep, you call it yechida, complete oneness. People sometimes experience that in intimacy. And all five are critical. How does that translate in our connections and our relationships as we speak, that each of us has in our lives? Well, when two people care about each other, the first step is, of course, how do they act to each other? What's their basic connection? Talking about on the surface level even. There's a behavior. There's a behavior. There's a code of behavior. There's an etiquette. And that's the first step in any building any connection. A certain kindness. You say thank you. Gratitude. Someone you care about asks you to do something, even if it's not convenient. You do it. Obviously, if someone will say, if that's the entire relationship based on that type of, um, I don't want to call it servitude, but that type of like utilitarian element, is that really a relationship? But it's a critical component because you need that. Step two in a relationship is an emotional connection. I feel for the other. And a feeling is a lot more than just saying thank you and showing gratitude. The feeling is deeper than that. Obviously, our goal is to have all of these, but I'll soon get back to what order and how each of us can implement this. But first, let's spell it out. An emotional connection. Person's in pain, you feel for them. They're in joy, you also feel for them. It includes empathy, a care. It doesn't always mean you can help someone. In other words, behaviorally, may not work on the emotional level, even though obviously emotions express themselves in behavior, but you show care. And it's coming from your heart. That's not just a behavioral thing. It's not just a biological thing. Then comes a third level of compatibility, cognitive. 
Now you think behavioral and emotional is pretty good. You feel for someone, you care about them, you, on a very basic level, also are there for them. But cognitive is another part of every human being. Our minds, our cognitive skills. Do you share ideas, an intelligent conversation, a respect for each other's minds and interests? Take that away and a a dimension is missing. Can you have the first or the second? Yes, you can, but it's not complete. So the cognitive adds another dimension of depth, of quality. You can care about someone and you may not be able to have a conversation with them. Parents and children, young children, you love them. There's an emotional connection, but it's not a cognitive one. It will develop hopefully as such, especially as those children grow older. Now you'd think, okay, three out of, these three out of three, wow, that would be like perfect. But there's more. Human beings are not just creatures of the mind and of the heart and of their behavior. We also seek out that which is beyond us, transcendence. Transcendence can take on the shape of many different things. It can take on the shape, it can take on the shape of travel, art, music, hobbies, romance, even though we're talking about romance, but romance as a transcendent force, literature, religion, spirituality, faith, values. When you include that fourth dimension, then the relationship is taking on a whole new dimension, a whole new quality. Because then it's not just about my physical attraction or my behavioral relationship or my emotional connection. Or my, or my cognitive compatibility, you're introducing something that's more than both individuals. That both are committing to something that's greater than the sum of the parts. And that takes us into the superconscious. So people who share a vision together. That's the fourth dimension. And finally, the fifth is when two people are so connected that they're literally like one without compromising one or the other. It doesn't even manifest in any type of sensation. The first four, there's a manifestation. Behavioral, there's a way we define the right etiquette in a healthy relationship. Emotional, also a form of expression. Not just whether I say I love you, but also the feelings that convey, the empathy, the cognitive conversations. Or sharing a book together, sharing ideas, writing to each other, not just emotionally, but also about ideas. The fourth expresses itself in transcendence, that the couple, the two in this relationship, do things, committed to things that are beyond just their personal needs and their personal and mutual relationship with each other. They commit to some cause, to a charity, to volunteer. Each of them finds something that's more than just what they need for their home and their relationship. But when it comes to the fifth, you're talking about where they become so one that they feel that they're not two parts. They're two halves of one whole. That, of course, is the highest and most profound level. And it takes years at times to build that. 
because you're talking about two different individuals, very different interests. So it takes time, it takes work. So this is laying out the five steps, or the five dimensions. Let's now translate them into five steps. What can you and I do right now, no matter what relationship you're in? Now my hope is that you're in some relationship and you're looking to enhance it. Or you're looking to make it healthier, make it more productive, less confrontational, or I should say the other way, more harmonious. But even if you don't have a relationship, this can help you, these five steps that we're going to talk about now, in finding a healthy relationship. Because you're not just looking to get your needs met, whatever needs they may be, physical, emotional, or intellectual, or the others, transcendence or unity. You're looking to be part of something that is more complete and more whole than you are. Like almost connecting to a reality that's greater than yourself. That is vital in any true lasting relationship and enduring relationship. So whatever state you're in, here are the five steps. If you're connected with someone, you have to look at and first study your behavior. There are many people who love each other, but they are missing sometimes the practical details. Sending a gift, saying thank you, showing gratitude, opening a door. Simple things. On their own, they may seem surface, but they're part of the connection. When a bee pollinates and cross-pollinates flowers, it's not just conceptually. It actually flies on the flower, takes the nectar, the bee benefits, and then pollinates another flower with with what it took from this one. There's a behavior part of it. There's an action connected to it. So to say, oh, I love that person in my heart. No, that heart has to translate. We live in a world of action. So the first step is study and evaluate your behavior. You may have all the good intentions, but are your intentions being translated into actions? Are they being understood properly? Ask yourself that question on a daily basis. There are expressions. There are actions we do for each other. You say, well, the actions can be very uh, superficial. Yes, but they're also part of our reality. So the first step in enhancing a relationship is looking at those actions. Looking at your behavior. So though there's a physical connection, express it in a physical way. And in a way, of course, that speaks to each other. So that's step number one. Step number two is looking at the emotions. This gets a little more difficult. Because for some people, the other way around, it's easier to do behavioral modification, behavioral conditioning, and harder to do emotional conditioning. Because emotions does not just require your actions, it also requires your feelings. You may be distracted. So you have to evaluate, are your feelings there? Do you make time to empathize, to communicate on an emotional level with the person you want a relationship with? The human connection, remember, isn't just we do things for each other. A mother doesn't just provide food and shelter for her child. She also provides love. A love includes a smile. It includes 
time, attention, care, empathy. And again, people may have it somewhere, but they're not expressing it in an emotional sense. So that's step number two, evaluating the emotional component of your life. There are relationships and marriages where the spouses are doing everything for each other, but they're not communicating emotionally. One person has a concern. Are you there for them? Even if you think the concern is not that important, it's listening to that person, getting out of your own space and making space for another, allowing them in, respecting, listening to their sacred feelings, whether you agree or you don't agree. Step number two. The cognitive is not philosophical alone. Cognitive means you're also respecting the person's mind, not just their feelings. Something, let's say there's a challenge, and you respect the other, let me hear your opinion. What are your thoughts on this matter? This also, of course, includes thoughts in general about life, about direction in life, philosophical issues, psychological ones. It's your engaging also on a mind level. When you see relationships that may have the behavioral and the emotional, but they're lacking the cognitive, that can be a big problem because then you, every human being needs intellectual stimulation. In this case, if it's lacking in the relationship, you're going to find it elsewhere. This doesn't mean two people have to think alike. It doesn't mean they have to be on the same wavelength. But there's a respect, there's an engagement. And there is a give and take in the discussion. And there's value. You learn from each other. So when you include that dimension, that adds another whole dimension, a whole other... When you include that Dimension, it adds a dimension. Yeah, that's the right word. Double use of the word dimension. It adds a whole new vitality, is the right word. Vitality makes it more dynamic. Because that's, in effect, what we're talking about here. Now, what happens if you have the cognitive and the emotional and not the behavioral? So there's a certain lack of expression in this material world. We need that. And each one has something that the other does not have. What you see from these, before we move to the other two, is that there's an element of, of soulfulness here. It's not just based on whim, whatever comes to you impulsively or instinctively. It's deliberate. Obviously, it's coming naturally, but it's deliberate in the way you evaluate it. Try it out. You'll try it out. You'll see. Evaluate these steps, and you'll suddenly look at yourself. One second. Take a piece of paper, write down the behavioral. From 1 to 10, how would you mark yourself? What can I do to improve my behavioral relationships and connections? And that can come down to making a phone call. It can come down to spending a little more time. On the emotional, a second page in your journal or in this second column, how do you evaluate your emotional? Not just what you feel. The expression of that feeling. Does your partner know what you feel? Do they feel that that you're there for them? Or in some way you're dismissing or ignoring their emotional needs? And the third is the cognitive. 
evaluate the cognitive connection. When's the last time you discussed an idea? You recommended a book. You read or studied something together. You learned something from each other. So evaluate that. And then come the two, the next two, which we call the superconscious because they're not quite in the same direct power and control like you have consciously to say thank you and show gratitude is a conscious expression that's up to you. Emotional expression, cognitive relationship, all of them are consciously in your power to implement. When you talk about transcendence, that of course we have choice, but you're not talking about something that you do, you feel, or you think. You're talking about a value. Now, how do you evaluate that? Very straightforward. Is my relationship with my significant other one that has transcendent values? Do we share a vision? The mark we want to make in the world? The family we want to build? Do we do events, let's say in our home, that are transcendent in nature? Not just a party, but something that just lifts everybody's spirits. That's empowering. Values. What values do we have? Do we support those values? Do we find other people that have similar values? And this can be helping the needy. It can be in some way improving the environment. It could be a spiritual cause to help people who are dealing with challenges in their lives. What are we doing in that direction? These are transcendent because they're not about your needs, your cognitive or emotional or behavioral needs or biological needs. This is not talking about what you're bringing, what you're giving. Now, the truth is, on all levels, there's the giving part. But the focus here is in a transcendence that's transcendent even of the give and take of the couple, of the people in this relationship. It adds a whole new other dimension to connections. Because the connection is not just what we do, or what we feel, or what we think, or our minds. It's a connection on a level that is greater than what you are what what you identify as. And that's always going to be you're connected to some cause, to some reality greater than yourself. Indeed, that fourth dimension is what really creates a relationship to be truly enduring and even eternal. Because the vision is greater than the parts. Intellectual, cognitive, emotional, and behavioral compatibility can fluctuate. The fourth dimension adds something which becomes solid, unwavering, eternal. When you have these four in place, then you can come to evaluate. So in the fourth one, you list the things that are transcendent in your life. What do we do that feeds not just our survival and our functionality, but also something that transcends that lifts our spirits, whether it's through music or art, as I said, or through giving or charity or a cause. When you have these four in place, then comes level number five. Step number five is that you become so one with each other because you've done those four parts. It will enhance the union. Now, how does that express itself? It's harder to identify, 
But it's like when you're sitting quietly with someone you love, you don't even have to do anything. It's just a sense we are part of one reality. It's actually, in the superconscious, defies conscious expression. When two people really love each other, and they're vulnerable with each other, and they're intimate with each other, they melt into one. And at that moment, there is no difference between one or the other. If you turn intimacy into just sexual pleasure, yes, then it's about how pleasurable am I feeling. But if you turn it into human connection, where you cannot say where does one end and where one begins, without annihilation, without dominance, or passivity, but a true oneness, where you're not even conscious of what each one's contributing, because all that has been put aside, stripped away, and there's that just that naked, pure innocence of total love without having talk about have to talk about it or describe it. That's the oneness. Can that be evaluated? Yes, you can. If you know what it is, you can see if it's there. But more importantly, you can know from the lack. If you're not having that, it means that's not a critique. It means you haven't really worked through the first four stages. But every one of us can access all these five steps. So what you come away with is a whole new take on what connection is, what relationships are about. It's a whole new take because it's not focusing on, okay, here are a few gimmicks, a few tricks of the trade. Yes, empathy is needed, giving is needed, transcendence is needed, soulfulness, love. But primarily what you're doing is you're actually conditioning yourself from the going from the top, from the bottom up, your behavioral conditioning, emotional conditioning, cognitive conditioning, transcendent conditioning, and ultimately the unifying element which emerges from all of them. I say emerges because you don't, can't necessarily always directly work with that. You have to do everything, put everything in place, and then that fifth dimension emerges. So this, I hope, is a dead justice to a very profound and comprehensive discussion and Kabbalistic thought about the five dimensions of the soul. But as I've applied them to the five steps of building a true and healthy and enduring relationship, creating true connection. And you can actually identify how they all speak to each other. Because in the best scenario, it's obviously working from the top down. The oneness leads to transcendence, which leads to cognitive connection, which leads to emotional connection, which leads to behavioral connection. But we still need to look at all of them. And it's fine at times to begin with the behavioral, because sometimes at least have that in place. Sometimes the emotions are a little numb, whatever reason. This deserves a lot more discussion, especially as in a workshop format, how we can actually use it. But I believe that what I've shared here gives you tools to be able to look at yourself, to look at your relationships in a new light with a fresh set of eyes and help enhance whatever relationship you're in. And also to eliminate anything that may be toxic, that may not be conducive to a healthy relationship. It's been an honor, my friends, to share these few words. This is Simon Jacobson.
Meaningfullife.com is our website. We could find this program and many others on a variety of topics that address the human needs, human connections, human love, and relationships. And I'd love to hear from you. Your thoughts, your comments, your feedback, your critique, suggestions as well for future programs. Because that's what we are. Our mission is exactly that, is to provide life skills that help us grow psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually to be the best we can possibly be. And as such, we're all part of one higher reality. So to me, it's an honor. And I embrace you and encourage you to connect in any way you wish to connect. Thank you so much. Be well and be blessed with lasting, healthy, and enduring relationships. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com donate.